Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Second Corinthians chapter 6 begins with a warning. Here's what it says. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The last part of the verse is the warning, not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, as we saw in the broadcast yesterday, that warning is preceded by a reference to this partnership that is not specified in detail. We then, as workers together also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And whether Paul is talking about himself and his missionary team, whether he's talking about himself and the other apostles, whether he's talking about himself and the the uh, faithful, believing Corinthians who are engaged in the work of the gospel, whether he's talking about ultra-believers who are involved in gospel work, he is making reference to a very surprising fact, which is that God has chosen to use flawed human vessels to accomplish his perfect work. That still continues to amaze me, and it ought to. It ought to amaze all of us, even though he's already covered that, talking about that this treasure is in earthen vessels, it's in clay pots, it's in cheap pots, it's in flawed vessels, It is in human beings who have not yet been fully sanctified and will not be and cannot be until we get to heaven and therefore will remain flawed as long as we are on this earth and yet all the while engaged in the work of the gospel, in the work of building the kingdom of Christ, in the work of gathering Christ's bride, in the work of accomplishing God's plan of redemption And it will be accomplished perfectly using flawed human instruments to carry it out. Do you understand how amazing that is? Do you understand what a privilege it is to be involved in that work? Do you understand what fulfillment is available for Christians who will involve themselves in this glorious work? I mean, it is really an an astounding declaration which Paul makes here that we are workers together with him. Amazing. But he follows that with a warning that we must get into after I welcome you to this Thursday, January 12 edition of the Beacon Broadcast and thank those whose financial gifts enable us 
to teach God's Word on this station. What is the warning? Not to receive the grace of God in vain. We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Look at these words carefully to understand what this warning is. The grace of God. We understand what God's grace is. It is unmerited favor. The favor of God. Don't receive the favor of God in vain. Vain, of course, means useless, without results, we might say. Don't receive, here's the warning, that you can receive some measure of the grace of God in a useless manner, in a manner that produces no eternal results, no no real results. This is a warning. It's a warning about a wasted life. It is warning, uh, evidently, about a counterfeit faith. He's already warned about wasted lives in chapter 5, when he said in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Some have translated that word bad worthless, whether good or worthless. But bad is not a bad translation either. A fruit that has, uh, what should I say, that has become rotten is bad fruit. It's worthless fruit. You can't, you can't eat it. it doesn't, uh, it's not good for anything, at least not as far as human consumption is concerned. And likewise, we can, we can stand before the judgment seat of Christ and present a wasted life. Surely not. Well, we will if we don't take these warnings seriously. He talked about that in chapter 5 and verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. It is possible for God's people to live a great measure of their human life, their earthly life, for themselves instead of for Christ. What folly! And how clear that folly will be someday. Well, heed the warnings now. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So whatever he's talking about here, and the warning is obvious, that he's talking about something that is serious, something that is dangerous, something that we must guard against. But whether he's talking to believers about wasted lives or whether he's talking about professing believers and counterfeit faith, that would even be more serious, wouldn't it? A counterfeit faith that you receive the grace of God, that's a term that normally speaks of saving grace, that you receive the grace of God in vain. Now, You say, well, how can you receive the grace of God in vain? Can you lose your salvation? No, and other scriptures make that clear. So he can't be talking about that, but he could be talking about professing believers who think they are saved, who think they are going to heaven, but will find out in the final analysis that they have never been born again. Because here's how he he goes on, for he says, in an acceptable time... I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, 
the, the following verse seems to indicate that he is in fact talking about receiving the grace of God short of saving faith, a counterfeit faith. And there are many similar warnings in the New Testament that are written in epistles that are addressed to Christians and yet are punctuated from time to time with these warnings that are obviously directed toward those who have professed faith in Christ but have never been saved. That really fits the context best, that interpretation of this warning, that he's not talking to genuine believers about squandering their life and standing before the Lord and and being in heaven and going to heaven but not having a a faithful life to receive rewards, but instead he's talking about those who think they are saved who are actually lost. And there are probably a whole lot more of those than we realize. I pray, I pray that that shall not be me. I pray that that shall not be you. It is possible to get very close to salvation and to reflect a life, to to manifest a life that others assume is a life of a saved person without truly being saved. Judas, of course, a prime example. He went to perdition. The Bible is clear about that. He went to his own place. He was never saved. In fact, he was chosen to betray the Lord. Not that he was forced to betray the Lord. That goes into a whole other line of discussion that I don't intend to go into now. He wasn't forced to do it. He did it according to his own desire, his own choice, his own free will. But God chose him to do that and therefore chose a a hypocrite, chose a counterfeit, chose someone to become an apostle who was no true believer in Jesus Christ at all. But the, the truth of the matter is that all the other apostles were fooled. The only one who wasn't fooled was Jesus. He knew his heart all along, but everybody else thought he was a genuine believer, really. So that when Christ warned, at that inauguration, uh, in the upper room, in the upper room discourse, when Christ warned that one of them would betray him, nobody said, I'll bet it's that rascal Judas. I've suspected him all along. Nobody suspected Judas. Even when Jesus said, the one that I give the sop to is the one that's going to betray me, and he gave it to Judas, and Judas got up and left, they still didn't think that Judas was the betrayer, his, his, um, what should I say? His, his profession of fidelity to Christ was so clever that everybody thought he was genuine. In fact, the implication seems to be that many of them thought he was more dedicated to Christ than they themselves were. They went around the table saying, is it I, Lord? Is it I? All of them suspected themselves, and nobody suspected Judas. That, that's incredible. And yet that shows that they had reached a new level of maturity. I'm sure there were times earlier when they would have not suspected themselves at all. Why, says Peter, Lord, I will, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. 
though everybody else does. I won't. And of course he did. He had a, an inflated opinion of himself at that moment. But when Christ identified Judas as the betrayer, everybody thought himself to be a more likely candidate for that betrayal than Judas, and yet Judas was the betrayer, and Judas was the thief, and Judas had been embezzling from the treasury all along, but that was all carefully hidden so that nobody knew it but Jesus, and Jesus did know it and will always know it, and you can be sure of that, dear friend, if you are in this category. Christ knows exactly who you are and what you're doing in secret that you are covering up so cleverly so that nobody else sees it. But the question is, how many active church members are there like that in your church, in my church? How many are there who have received, in the words of this text, received the grace of God in vain? having obviously not received it to saving effect, but have received many of the benefits of it. And yet, in vain, it is all a counterfeit faith, a superficial faith, a shallow profession of faith without spiritual reality, without real evidence of the new birth, without true spiritual fruit. We are so easily deceived by by um, worldly manifestations, the things that anybody can do without being born again. Anybody can join a church. Even churches that are careful are going to receive from time to time people who are not truly born again. Anybody can join a church. Anybody can be baptized. Anybody can take communion. Anybody can sing in the choir. Anybody can play instruments in the church without being born again. The real evidence is something deeper than that. And here's the warning. Here's the warning. We plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.